Hey, hey, guys. Welcome to episode number 50 of the Brave Widow Show. Woo! Episode 50! Felt like confetti should be falling from the ceiling right now. And lots of audience members clapping and all so- kinds of stuff should be happening because this is the 50th episode. I recorded the first episode of the Brave Widow Show and published it on November 15th of 2022. I was very optimistic then. I was doing three episodes per week, uh, which was a little insane. And I might have been given a little bit of a hard time by my daughter because as we were (laughs) in Orlando at Universal Studios, Part of that week, I was up early in the morning editing each podcast episode that I had already recorded and was furiously trying to get those scheduled and loaded. And I don't know why I felt like I needed to take all of that on and do so many in the beginning. But hey, I think it has worked out for the best. So we are less than a year away from when I released the first episode, which is crazy to think that in two months, it will have been one year ago the show started. That is incredible. 50 episodes. Amazing. I love it. I've learned so much. I enjoy so much getting to talk to other people. And especially now as we have had so many widows and widowers come forward and say that they want to tell their story. They want to encourage other widows that are out there. They want to build a stronger community of widows to help other people feel less alone, less isolated, to help them feel understood and to let them know that they are not on this journey alone. So awesome episode number 50. I'm super excited. Also want to remind you that we have lots of live events that are coming up and I do some during the day and sometimes they happen in the evenings, but the way that you can hear about them and the way that you can know when these are going to happen is by signing up so you can get these notifications and the way you sign up for all of the free resources, the free live events, the things that are happening in the Brave Widow community is by going to bravewidow.com slash free F-R-E-E. And when you sign up, you will always be the first to know what's happening in the community, what's going on with live events, when the next one is going to be, and all the different topics that we are going to cover. So please go sign up today. All right, today I am going to take you on a journey across the pond to Liverpool, England, just kidding. I re- I wish we were really there, but we are going to virtually be there with Alan. And Alan joins us today to share his story of being a young widower. He's 44. He's a father of two. And he was a caretaker for his wife and saw her go from a vibrant, loving, healthy lifestyle to being in a much more debilitative state. He's very open and vulnerable about the things that he went through with that experience. And then he gives some great advice and encouragement for other widows who are going through something similar or who are really struggling. So please join me in welcoming Ellen. 
Welcome to the Brave Widow Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jones. We help young widows heal their heart, find hope, and dream again for the future. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Brave Widow Show. And today I'm excited to introduce you to Alan and for him to get to share his story and some of the challenges that he and his family have had to face and overcome. So Alan, thank you for agreeing to come on the show. And it's a, it's a pleasure to have you today. Very welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, Alan, if you don't mind, if you'll share a little bit about your background and then and where you're from, then we can dive into your story and our, our listeners can learn more. Okay. So I'm Alan. I'm from Liverpool, England. Uh, I'm almost 45 years old and I live at home with my son, who's almost 18, and my daughter, who is autistic, and she's 16. Um. Me and my partner, well, my wife, Jane, we met back in 2004. Um, we had a whirlwind romance. We were engaged after three months, married after 10, and had a baby on the way after 11 months. So, yeah, it was, it was quite quite fast, and people thought quite quick, but we lasted a long time, and it was, it was great while it lasted. Awesome. And how long ago was it that you lost your partner? Uh, my wife passed away on July 7th, 2022. Uh, she'd been poorly for 14 years. Um, she had acute pancreatitis after a gallstone move from a gallbladder to a pancreas. Uh, she was on life support for nine months and then was morphine dependent for the rest of her days. Uh, so I went from being a, a manual worker in a motor industry factory to being a full-time carer. Um, and we went from being young 30-somethings with the rest of our lives ahead of us to pretty much a geriatric relationship overnight. Um, and it was quite difficult to acclimatise to that. Um, she battled for 14 years. She was in pain constantly, but I'm so grateful for that because she helped me bring up the kids and I don't think we'd be as stable as we are today without their inputs. And what was that like for your kids? I mean, to see their mom in such a debilitating state and that's a long time to be caring for someone and being un unsure how much time do we have together and, and all of that. What, what was that like for you and your family? Well, the children were one and two at the time. So they never knew anything but mum being not well. And I think they coped with it brilliantly, to be honest. I think they sort of feel like they had the best child they'd ever were. I think they could have had so much more. They were, they were really supportive towards that, and it was never easy. We couldn't make plans with mum being poorly. It was always, we'd have to get up on the day and just see how things went. And anything that we did have planned could be turned on a head overnight. But I think the kids... Helped me along with it as much as I've sort of tried to help them. So they they were a, a bit of relief for me, to be honest. And they were always a handful and always fun loving and happy. It was never let's be sad about mum. It was like let's let have a laugh and a joke about it and make the most of the situation that we're in. Okay. And what did you feel at times maybe 
overlooked or like you were overwhelmed or just struggling with trying to navigate all of that with with kids and being there for your wife and how was that really challenging for you? Um, there, there were times where it was really stressful. She'd have periods where she'd be in hospital and I'd have to juggle the house and the children and go and visit and stuff like that. Um, I think you, you just, you have to sort of play the hand you dealt. And I sort of realised that quite soon. It's tough. Caring for anyone who's poorly is, is really hard because it's, it's a 24-hour job. Um, and I don't think people understand that there's no breaks from it. It's just constant. And yeah, it, it was it was really difficult, but I'm not the type of character where I'll dwell on that and feel sorry for myself. I'll always just get up, fresh day, same mood, happy-go-lucky, and defeat whatever's in front of us, really. Yeah, that's... I love the positive attitude because it is easy to get into a mindset of nobody understands and I'm alone in this. And like you said, to feel like there's no breaks from the kids and a lot of people maybe don't understand that or haven't had to face that. If somebody's divorced, typically you're sharing custody, you're getting a break here and there from the kids. Or if you're married, then you have somebody that can help you. But when you're the main parent and the only parent really that's there, then it is just a constant. And for me, I noticed after Nathan died that it was an increased fear. Like, oh, the kids always have to be able to get a hold of me. I have to know what's going on. And if something happens to me, that's it. They're just, they wouldn't be on the street, but that's kind of how it felt. Like I was just that's the last my threat. Main that's my main concern. Every morning I wake up and I think, what if I didn't wake up? What had happened to the kids? We've got very little support structure around us, and it's been like that for a long time. And it's like it's like that film, Who Will Love My Children? Well, if something happened to me, who would look after my children? So I've got myself in shape, and I try and live a healthy lifestyle as possible, but you just never know, do you? And you've got to just embrace every moment. Yeah, you're so right. And I have noticed that I embrace and enjoy and appreciate all of those moments so much more than I did before or maybe took them for granted because that is that is a real worry and and things that we struggle with what what advice would you give to someone who is like going through the thick of it and they're in some of the toughest points and they're feeling overwhelmed and they just they don't know if it will ever get better or easier, what what would you say to that person who's kind of in the middle of that storm? It can be really dark at times, and you've got to sort of pick yourself up and get up and get on with your days. I wouldn't say it does get easier. I think you learn to navigate a little bit better. You'll never forget the person that you were with, that you've lost. But you've, you've got to get on through your days and you haven't got to forget them yet. You haven't got to move on and become something different. But you've definitely got to do right by you and your family. I had some really difficult times when Jane passed. It was it was awful, but I sort of feel like the passing wasn't the hardest part. It was all the other stuff that bombarded me. Keeping a house together, a roof over our heads. We lost our, our vehicle. 
it was just, it was one thing after another. And maybe for three months, it was like a constant barrage. And then you don't even realise it's getting better. It sort of creeps up on you. And then you look back and you think, well, I was doing this or I was doing that. And it was, it was awful. But now it's not as awful. And I think, I think you learn to just process things a little bit better. Um, I, think, I think I was maybe a little bit off the rails when she passed and I didn't understand that and I didn't realise. I painted the bathroom purple. It looks like Barney, but probably wasn't the wisest thing I ever did. But I look at it now and instead of hating over it, I just embrace it. And I think, well, I probably was in one of the blacker times and I decided to paint the bathroom bright purple, but it'll do. Yeah, it, it, it's... It's a roller coaster, and I think everyone's roller coaster is different as well. No two people have the same grief. Yeah, yeah, those are really good points. And maybe the painting was actually therapeutic in its own way. Just doing something where you're focused on that thing. You're, it's kind of a tedious process, but at least you're thinking about that, and not everything else, or it brings about some kind of change I, I love too how you said like it's awful but then it becomes less awful and it just kind of sneaks up on you like I was just talking with my kids about this last night I used to hate cooking like my husband did all the cooking I was always traveling for work so he ran the house and took care of all that and so after he died we'd been married right at 20 years and so now all of a sudden I had to learn how to well, I didn't know how to cook, but I had to learn how to cook lots of different stuff. And it was something I hated doing. And last night they were asking, do you still hate cooking? And I'm like, I wouldn't say I love it, but I don't hate it nearly as much as I used to. And I'm actually starting to enjoy it a little bit. So to your point, it was something awful. Now it's much less awful. And now I'm like, okay, I've got this. I can do this. It doesn't take as much mental and emotional energy to figure out how to turn the grill on, how to get get the propane tank hooked up, how to do all these different things that when you're in the middle of grief, like every little thing just feels so overwhelming, like this huge mountain you have to climb up. It's it's really hard when you're in the middle of that. It is. And I don't think until you experience it, you can envision how tough it can be. You can wake up and think you're having a good day and it can turn on a sixpence and become an awful day and things that you enjoy, you don't enjoy anymore. I feel like I've maybe evolved myself in the, the little over 12 months that have passed. I feel like I've become a completely different person. It's very, very strange. It, it, it's something that I feel like I've got no control over either. I, I, I can't put my finger on it and I've tried and I can't quite process how I've ended up where I am now. Yeah, that's very common and something initially in the beginning I felt very alone in is is trying to explain like, I feel like a different person. Like I feel even if Nathan was here, I don't know that I would want to be married to him just because I'm like, I'm not even the same person. I don't even like the same things. Like I have changed so much and not like you said, maybe a hundred percent of a different person, but just in so many ways, we we're more 
mature and resilient as people, we look at life through a very different lens. Like we're no longer naive to death and what, what life is really about. I've reprioritized a lot of things, but yeah, it is a very strange, surreal feeling to feel like I am no longer the person that I was when I was married to them and to be so young and to think about all the plans I had for the future now. Do I still want to do that? Do I want to come up with new plans? Do I want to even think about making new plans for myself? Do I want to have the same plans I did before? Like, it's a lot to process and take on in such a short amount of time. Yeah, and I sort of feel like you're expected. It's like people put a time scale on stuff. So you should mourn for 12 months and then you should move on. And There's no set script for this. I think you've just sort of got to be yourself. And do what's right by you. And I feel like a lot of people want to have an input, but aren't willing maybe to put any effort into that. You're just expected to sort of follow this process. And it's not like that at all. I think it's something natural that will just form itself in you along the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely as a culture, especially I would say here in the States, but a lot of places, we just don't, we're not well educated on how to help people process loss and grief. And a lot of what we're taught about processing loss is like, oh, you'll get over it. You'll be fine. Or you'll find somebody else. Or, you know, you're still young. You've got all these years ahead of you. And like, those are all the things that you don't want to hear, right? It's just um, difficult. But a lot of times people just really don't know what it means to process grief on your own timeline and why everybody kind of has a different timeline, why it isn't just the the same for everyone. So I know there are a lot of people out there trying to help educate on how to support people that are going through that. But, you know, what, what would you tell someone, let's say they're a family member or a friend of someone who's been widowed and they want to help, but they don't really know how to help and they don't want to feel like they're overstepping what what kind of advice would you give them on how they can support someone who's in that situation? That's really difficult. I think I think people want to try and help, but I sort of feel like people, as you said, they're not educated. And I think they may be a bit fearful of you as well because they either think you're really delicate or you're something that they can't fix. Family and friends can be the greatest asset you've got or the worst enemy. And I feel like the in-laws and the family around me were very little help. And yet some of my friends were the most supportive could have asked for and more. And I think it really defines you as a person. And the thing that I found most is, sort of took me a little while, but I sort of see my homes as our castle and I need to protect everything that's in that castle. And everything outside the castle walls will sort of sort itself out. Um, I think people maybe have the best intentions for you, but they're not always what you need. So I don't want people to isolate themselves, but I think just be happy in your own home. Make sure you're doing all the right things for you and everything else will, will find its own way and find its own place. And, you get there in the end and it does feel really dark. And it's like a solitude. It's just being sat in your own little bubble, but your bubble can get bigger and you can get out and about. But 
think the main thing for me is follow your own head and follow your own heart because you'll always do right by yourself in the long run. And people's intentions aren't always right, what your own intentions are to you. So follow yourself. Yeah, and I liked how you talked about viewing your own house as your castle and worrying about what goes on there. I know for for a lot of widows, they tend to be caretakers. They tend to be people that give and give and try to do for other people. And sometimes that's hard when you can barely function and you're trying to figure out all these new responsibilities you've got and kids and pets maybe and, and all these other things. You have to really give yourself grace and minimize expectations you have for yourself so that you can focus on you and your kids and getting to a place where eventually you can contribute. But in in the beginning, that's really tough and, and really where your focus needs to be. For some people, it's really hard to let go of that. Yeah, I think people struggle to say no as well sometimes. I look back and I think maybe I should have said no a little bit more. We had friend and family that was like, come and we'll feed just, we didn't struggle to feed ourselves, but it was come and do this. And I think we just needed to, to heal ourselves before we expanded out. But yeah, expectations are, are a big thing. I think you're expected to sort of be needy and that's not always the way. I'm really grateful for my kids because they've been a massive, massive support to me and they've got me through the rougher moments as much as I've supported them through their rough moments. But I sort of feel like I prioritised other people as well, where I should have just said, no, we'll, we'll sort ourselves out. But it's a learning experience and I think as you go along, you learn what's right for yourself and you have to do that. Saying no sometimes is the best thing for everyone. Yeah, and that's that's so true and something that was hard for me. I lost my husband in, in July of 2021, and it would be things like, I, I can't host Thanksgiving this year. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. But it's this it was this weird balance of I didn't want to say no and I didn't want to be mean and then on the other hand I'm like I don't even care at this point I just I can't it's not worth all the additional stress and at the end of the day the people who really care and the people who really do love me and love my family they're going to be understanding and they're going to keep showing up and you also made a good point about the people who come around you and support you. A lot of times it's not who you think it's going to be or it's not who you expect it to be. It's friends or distant acquaintances. And I've been so surprised at how persistent some people are at showing up when they're not even my closest family. Yeah, so true that. The people who you maybe rely on let you down a lot more than the people that you've got no expectations of. And that, that was a massive thing for me. People that live 40 or 50 miles away were checking in on me daily and were just making sure that I was okay and were not putting any pressure on me with the people that live closest with little to no help at times and added to the stress and heartache that I was feeling. It, it was bizarre, but I think it enlightened you as well to what's going on around you. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
what parting words of encouragement or advice would you want to leave our uh, viewers and our listeners with as you think about just your experience? You are what, just a little over a year out and it, what, what would you share with people has been helpful to you as you're healing and part of your journey? Um, not to force anything. I think you can try and say that you want to heal yourself, but don't put any pressure on yourself to heal. Just be you to function. The massive thing for me is self-happiness and to make sure that the kids are happy. And as long as that's the case, I think I'm winning. So just just be you, be yourself, and don't let anyone force you to be something that you're not. There's no script that you've got to follow and there's no time scale that you've got to fall in line with. You just do you and be happy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and being willing to share your story and some words of encouragement for others that are in your situation. I really appreciate it. You're all very welcome. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Brave Widow podcast. I would love to help you take your next step, whether that's healing your heart, finding hope, or achieving your dreams for the future. Do you need a safe space to connect with other like-minded widows? Do you wish you had how-tos for getting through the next steps in your journey, organizing your life, or moving through grief? What about live calls where you get answers to your burning questions? The Brave Widow membership community is just what you need. Inside, you'll find courses to help guide you, a community of other widows to connect with, live coaching and Q&A calls, and small group coaching where you can work on what matters most to you. Learn how to heal your heart, find hope, reclaim joy, and dream again for the future. It is possible. Head on over to bravewidow.com to learn more.